get to know me part three. How I write. Welcome back to part three of my get to know me series. You can find the previous parts in episode one and two of this podcast or on my blog, wildlywordy.wordpress.com. In part one, I talked about what kind of things inspire me and how I get my initial ideas for a new story, which I liken to a seedling. But what happens when you have an idea? What do you do with it? How do you build a story from that? Germination. On its own, a seed does nothing. A single idea doesn't make a story. As Maggie Stiefvater so correctly said in her Portraits and Dreams seminar that I attended in November 2018, though I've doubtlessly paraphrased, stories are made of a multitude of ideas. Thousands of them. Your initial idea might well have been the seed of the story, but it isn't going to hold up the entire work. Like at school or at university, you're not going to write a full essay based on one single argument. You need to add supporting arguments to prop it up. You need to have multiple sources. You need to look at things from different angles. It's the same with writing fiction. One reason for this is that a single idea, without any others to enrich it, has always been done before. Space wars, tragic and sudden cancer diagnosis, stories set in a small town. Chances are these single concepts have brought multiple stories to mind for you. From Star Wars to Doctor Who and Gillian Flynn's mystery thriller Sharp Objects to What's Eating Gilbert Grape. But those stories aren't the same, are they? They may have the same core concept, might have had the same initial seed, but they have grown outwards in different directions. That's what this next stage is for, which I like to call germination. Back to Maggie for a minute. I'll stop blabbering on about her when she stops saying such relevant stuff, I promise. Also, let me just take a second to recommend a seminar to anyone, writers and artists and dreamers alike. Attending it was a turning point for my writing in so many ways. You can read about my experience in my previous blog post, Investing in Yourself and Your Writing. Like Maggie, I resist the urge to start writing a story as soon as the initial idea pops up. Instead, I let it stew for a while. I simply let it sit at the back of my mind, and over time, unconsciously, new aspects will appear, or other ideas will come to me which are related or compatible with the first. Doing this prevents me from taking the easiest route, getting stuck in the simplest form my idea might take. It takes cancer diagnosis to my sister's keeper. I cannot stress how important this stage is to my writing. So much of my work happens before my fingers ever touch the keyboard. If I skip this step, I usually write myself into a corner, or I end up with an unsatisfyingly simple story that doesn't challenge me or my readers. That isn't to say that I plan out every aspect of my story in advance, but more on that later. I compared my initial idea to a sort of seedling, but sticking with the plant metaphor for a second, Your idea is only going to grow if you give it the right ground to grow from. Like a plant, ideas need a ground that's fertilisable. The way you do that is you put yourself into a place where you get more ideas. The mindset that is important to me for getting inspiration in the first place remains just as relevant in this stage. However, I might contextualise it at this point. If my initial idea is to set a story in an underground sewer system, then any further ideas that can go hand in hand with this might be found around information related to it. Perhaps I'll expose myself to more information on my local sewer system. Perhaps I'll look into the history of Paris's double water supply network. 
Perhaps I'll think about how many things can go wrong with an existing system, or how difficult it would be to set one up in the first place. There is a lot of different directions my story can grow into. A secret spy mission, to a local lawyer investigating illegal uses of the town's sewer systems, to a hidden entrance to a fantasy world, or hideout for a group of runaway teenagers. Most initial story seeds can grow into vastly different stories, and that's all owed to the other ideas surrounding it. Often, doing more research around my chosen subject helps me to think of things that I need to take into consideration for the story to be realistic, and it may also offer up a wealth of potential aspects to include that I wouldn't have thought of before. But the most exciting and most incontrollable part of this entire process is the life that happens around me while I'm in the germination stage. Anything that happens to me may influence the story I'm building in my head. A sudden end to a friendship may find its way into my novel as a plot point. The agricultural debate I watch on TV may open up a whole new environmental layer to my story that I hadn't covered before. Often it is the ideas that have nothing to do with our initial seed that enrich the story in the most important and most unique ways. That's why I often spend a very long time on this stage, months certainly, and years haven't been unheard of either. A good note system. I know what you're going to say. How can I not write down the story I'm working on for possibly years? But honestly, that restraint pays off. And while I may not allow myself any actual writing of the story, I will certainly allow myself notes of my ideas. Too often I've thought I would remember something that minutes later I had already forgotten. I don't believe that any thoughts important enough are never forgotten in the first place. The amount of times I had a nagging feeling I've forgotten something essential, only to get to work without my keys or something similarly important, is hard to quantify, but has definitely happened too often for comfort. So during the germination stage, I make sure to carry a notebook, or at least my phone, with me, and when I think of something, it's going in there, just not in a pretty writing style. Living alongside my characters. It's hard to say when the germination stage is over. In a way, I like to keep my current project at the back of my mind during all stages of my writing. Keeping my work with me at all times allows random ideas to pop up in my head over the washing up or during a nice nature walk. But at some point, general ideas, which are mostly plot or setting related at the start, give way to living with my characters. This can only happen when I already know them well enough to be somewhat familiar with how they would behave in certain situations. If this is the case, very often I'll start the day by selecting one of the characters I'd like to know more about, and then go through my life as if I was that character. It can be very helpful to do this as it'll allow me to learn more about how my characters would face daily life, or events I wouldn't otherwise have considered, as they aren't part of the plot. Trinity Balance This brings me to one of my most deeply held beliefs about writing. I have always felt that any great book succeeds in three major areas. An intriguing plot, unique but relatable characters, and a pleasing writing style, where all of these are of course somewhat subjective. I've liked many books in my life that have succeeded at two of these areas, but the books I have loved have addressed all three. So in my own writing, I aim to do the same. But while plot and character play a major part from the beginning, writing style does, and should, take a backseat for a good while. First draft and for writing pretty. It's for figuring out your basic plot and the characters you'd like in it. And as you go on, 
you deepen your characters and you add to your plot. How much planning is too much planning? There are very few writers who won't have heard of pantsing versus plotting yet, but if you're new to writing, let me give you a brief definition. Many writers identify themselves as either one or the other. A plotter, who meticulously plans out most details of the story before writing, and a pantser, who pretty much tackles things as they come along. However, in reality, this strict separation isn't as clear-cut as it may appear, and most writers see this as more of a spectrum, and identify somewhere in between, also often called a pantser. Given the importance of my germination stage, it may seem that I'm a plotter myself, but that isn't necessarily the case. In fact, I knew nearly nothing about the plot of my first novel when I sat down to write it, and that's a key reason why I finished it. I have had to plot a lot more with the sequels of that novel than the first instalment, but to this day I enjoy a degree of spontaneity in my writing. The balance between knowing enough to start writing and not knowing too much to hinder my creativity is a difficult thing to maintain, but if I get it right, it guarantees a much smoother writing experience. Getting the words down. When it is finally time to truly start writing, there's one thing better than anything else to motivate me. Pressure. Typically this comes in the form of NaNoWriMo, which I've discussed plenty before. As I mentioned in one of my previous posts, after my first experience with NaNoWriMo, I quickly branched out into participating in Camp NaNoWriMo as well. Before long, April, July and November became my writing months. Consequently, the other nine months of the year, I find a lot of ways to procrastinate or busy myself with very important life tasks, aka catching up on the stuff that doesn't get done during nano months. Cleaning, scheduling dentist appointments, keeping in touch with friends and family, sending that email I've been putting off for the last six months. Life gets busy so easily, but in a way it works for me. I certainly write more in a year doing my three nanos than when I wasn't, and I enjoy the focus it puts on truly putting your writing first. Prior hesitation is an important skill, and while I've not yet mastered it, I'm still happy to report I get it right at least a quarter of the time. Crucially, NaNoWriMo also allows me to focus on plot and character above writing style in my first draft, as you simply do not get a chance to worry about word quality when you're shooting for such a high daily word count. I found this frees me up when writing, and takes away that constant self-scrutinisation that can all too easily stop a writing flow before it has already begun. Finding my process. There are certainly more things to my writing process than I've discussed here today, and it will also almost certainly change over time and, hopefully, become more refined. Becoming familiar with one's own writing process is a key step in becoming a better and more proficient writer. I would recommend taking the time to investigate your own writing process to anyone. But it's good to stay aware that this self-reflection is a continuous journey and that there's never a point when we've learned it all, about our writing or ourselves. So keep exploring. See you back next week. Chan.